afternoon, ladies and gents. Well, today I brought someone who's also my very good friend, but has quite good insight. Today,、um, I brought you Tiberiu Toka. Welcome. Thank you very much, Min, for having me today, and it's very good to be reunited with you. And、yes. uh, it's a pleasure to be on our podcast. Yes,、um, could you um, introduce um, about yourself slightly? Sure.、Uh, I'm Tiberiu Toka, as Min said, and、um, I'm a third year computer science with innovation student at the University of Bristol. We both study at the same university.、Mm-hmm. And I come from Romania.、Uh, I've been here like a couple of years in the UK, and、uh, I'm now trying to focus on my studies and also developing my network. And I guess、uh, I have a few interests, and definitely innovation is one of them. Yeah, indeed. And、um, you forgot to mention. Tiberiu is also the president of Innovation Society, if I'm right. Indeed. Yeah, and、um, they do many great things.、Um, if you join them, you, know, you, you, can,、um, you can get、um, you know, people with fantastic insights and many opportunities. Well, I study aerospace engineering, so I'm not too much related into these things, but I do enjoy、um, going to their events. Anyway, what are we talking about today? As you've suggested, I think it would be a very appropriate thing to. Kind of dive deep into the emergence, the environment in which innovation in, emerges.、Mm. Yes, I mean, this is a very important topic because this is about our livelihood and you know, this is about、um, the opportunity and the, I would say, the probability of a nation、um, to survive and you know, to prosper, I guess. That's right. I think、uh, without innovation, the world wouldn't be able to move ahead in any sort of realm of endeavor.、Mm-hmm. And we have to make a very important distinction here, I think, in the beginning, because we don't want any of our listeners to get confused.、Um, innovation and invention are two very different things.、Mm. And also, creativity is an element that appears in both of them. But it's important to define them first. So I would say invention is the ability of a human being to harness their creativity to build something that hasn't ever been completely seen before from scratch,、mm-hmm. perhaps with a new methodology in mind、mm-hmm. and using new tools or materials that could result in a, I guess, kind of. A new product or new service and、uh, something that is very uh, applicable uh, and very feasible. At the same time, I think innovation has sort some sort of those elements, but it's more innovation is applied to existing things、mm-hmm. and it's something that appears in two ways it's either incremental or breakthrough. So, incremental innovation is the phenomenon where You would have an existing product or service, and that is upgraded on a constant basis. So, you have a process like I don't know,、um, maybe you would think like a designer and or a product architect or manager,、mm-hmm. and then you would h- apply some sort of those methodologies to upgrade it. As in, we can see a perfect example we have the iPhone, which has been constantly updated and upgraded、mm-hmm. every single year for. To perfection by Apple,、mm-hmm. and people don't really 
admire or really respect Apple anymore because they don't really do those breakthrough innovations mm -hmm. as we've seen with the Steve Jobs era. Mm -hmm. But I think what they're focusing right now is kind of like stability and mm -hmm. there's like a certain plateau to their vision yes. in terms of trying to keep bringing in the revenue and keep the company very sustainable for mm -hmm. the long-term future. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess really offering great quality products on their existing line of mm -hmm. services and products. And then just to be just to finalize this point breakthrough innovation is something that is a compound effect mm -hmm. so after a number of years you could have like five to ten years or even more in an industry where there has been like a certain gap or area that hasn't really been filled in mm -hmm. and you have somebody with a vision that comes in and kind of sees that opportunity and tries to satisfy all users in a certain way Wow, I guess um that is what you learn in uh <laughs> innovations degree. Yeah, I'm I'm very impressed. Uh yeah, I'm much impressed. Well, for reference, this podcast doesn't have any script. <laughs> so this is purely based on um Tiberius um expertise. Anyway, um going back to the point. So yes, I agree with your point. I'm a massive fan of Apple, but it's not because I see breakthrough innovation every year. It's because I see this incremental um, innovation every year. You know, I can see how their product product is improving. You know, more cap capable of doing more things in great prices. You know, Samsung phone is now more expensive than Apple phone. If you um, <laughs> if if you can ever imagine, but that's right. um, yeah, that's true. Uh, very unfortunately, and you know they bring um, massive revenue for that one. And, you know, I think these things are uh, innovation as itself. And it makes me wonder now, actually, why America could m foster such companies like Apple, Microsoft, you know, um, all these um, innovative countries. Why else? Why, 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 um, why a country like Russia or China, where there's so many great brains out there, whilst can't do these kind of things? I'm, I'm actually wondering. Um, if you were to ask me, I would have to think in a very big picture way mm -hmm. and have a very zoomed out perspective on things for, mm -hmm. I guess, identifying the factors that are involved in such a um, series of events, because it's not, it's not just one single thing that kind of like exploded or is a, is, or is a factor mm -hmm. in this, um, I guess, kind of... Um, yeah, it is a phenomenon. So uh, the way that I see it is we have, we had last century, uh, we had the Cold War. Mm -hmm. And before that, we had the Second World War. And before that, there was a certain gap. Mm -hmm. I think there was a certain consolidation and a very strong partnership and collaboration between government and industries, mm -hmm. so private sector. And I believe that the United States had a certain lead on the whole world regarding mm -hmm. this. And it's also because you have America as a um, place where still there's a lot of freedom and a lot of, um, I guess, how should I say, because there is so much freedom, right? You have people trying to push their creativity as much as possible. Mm -hmm and they're free to kind of explore ideas. Mm -hmm. They're free to discuss, they're free to bring up new concepts. Mm -hmm. And because you had a very, as you said, you have brains everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. But 
as we know with Russia and China, the political situation is always different than mm-hmm. the West. So I think the West managed to foster an environment where you had the an empowerment of people to be able to go out there and explore their best um, their best ideas and their imagination and then they were able to kind of get into the institutions and the corporations mm-hmm. and the power to create new companies from scratch mm-hmm. that could all come together in certain ways through a very interconnected network mm-hmm. of people as we can see there was the emergence of silicon valley happened in what like um, the 70s, 80s. 70s, 80s. But I would say that there was a precedent for Silicon Valley to even happen in the first place. Mm-hmm. Because we know, for example, the internet wasn't something that came out of a startup mm-hmm. or a certain company. It was... Um, so the World Wide Web was inv- invented by Tim Berners-Lee. Mm-hmm. But then you had uh, DARPA, mm-hmm. which was a... the. Um, it's an acronym for... Uh, defense uh, ad- advanced uh, research agent uh, yes I, I think well yeah I think it's um, a, it's a government agency where yes. uh, they collect all these um, very very powerful you know brains and then they create all these um, technology I think they mostly um, concentrate on computing technology uh, right but yeah they, but they also they, have a lot of uh, i would guess a very big military apparatus mm-hmm. yes and they do they yeah. they are part of uh, how people would say kind of like a military industrial complex mm-hmm. um but yeah that's not the subject of today's uh, discussion so uh because you had such an agency and you had certain people like when early companies like apple and microsoft mm-hmm. first emerged I think it was possible because some of the early founders were probably having conversations with people in government Mm -hmm. and they were being supplied talent and perhaps even ideas Mm -hmm. for them to kind of like for the public put it out there Mm -hmm. and Silicon Valley was the the opening it was the theater Mm -hmm. of displaying some of the early cloaked innovations Mm -hmm. of the American government. Mm -hmm. Um, That's that's a very interesting point. So I guess what you say is, well, um, so it is only the West or it is only um, arguably democratic countries um, where all these innovators are being um, being respected and admired and therefore the government puts more force into these kind of innovation. Is that what you're saying? I think, uh, yes, I do believe so, because Mm -hmm. in the West, it's more of an encouragement to highlight the individual persona. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why you see usually that places like Silicon Valley, or if we're talking about technology and also other hubs for um, industries like, I don't know, you can see Hollywood or stuff like that. It's always Mm -hmm. about um kind of a cult of personality in a mm-hmm. way yeah. and you see companies that are being shaped by a set of individuals or mm-hmm. even by one individual mm-hmm. one founder or two co-founders or even a uh, small team of co-founders at the beginning which grows around a certain inner circle mm-hmm. uh that was the case with apple mm-hmm. um as we've seen like the some of the designs of the best products that they have 
weren't necessarily made by Steve Jobs or Steve Wozniak. You mm-hmm. had people like Tony Fadell, mm-hmm. or you had people like uh, Sir Johnny Ive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's just one one or two examples. But uh, uh, anyway, I would say because you have this focus on the individual, it's more encouraging for them to go out there and earn it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see in the East, I think it's more about the institution mm-hmm. or the the group mentality, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a company is a uh, collection of indi- individuals that mm-hmm. come together to achieve a certain mission, right? Mm-hmm. They're there for a social purpose or they're mm-hmm. there for, I guess, uh, f- making profit for somebody, mm-hmm. for, some, for themselves, for their um, investors, for their customers, mm-hmm. I don't know, for their stakeholders in general, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. But uh, the East, I think, yeah, it's a bit more about um, the agencies and mm-hmm. the, the, the group mentality. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think you still have certain stories that come up about certain brave individuals in those institutions. Mm-hmm. But because, yeah, in the West, we highlight our own values mm-hmm. and our individuals and our own heroes. Yes. We don't get to explore so much as to what happens on the other side. Mm-hmm. This is very interesting story and actually quite a news for me as well because, mm. well, you know, I'm from South Korea and pretty much of every corporations are owned by you know certain families and they in the corporate culture of South Korea is still very you know um, group minded you know collectivist mm. and things like that and actually it makes some sense because South Korea although it is a good country to start business but at the same time, for example. Samsung, you know, it doesn't do that much of innovation. Mm. What it is really good at is making things really cheap. Mm. So Samsung's um, biggest revenue comes from semiconductor chips, which they could actually outcompete everyone around the world with their um, all these collective skill sets. You know, all these um, costs, um, you know, cost managing um, these kind of skills rather than actually some individuals going out there. You know achieving something, making breakthrough innovations. And I guess same things, um, same things happening in um, generally. I mean, although South Korea is part of West, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you know, it has certain s- set of, you know, these Eastern, you know, Eastern Bloc set of, you know, mindsets um, on corporations. But it's changing, obviously. Um, we're part of West and we do learn from the West mm-hmm. a lot. But I, I guess that's um that's what really happened in America where, you know, people pushed to their limit to get um you know, they to get all this um personal fame and things like that. And yeah, this is a news for me because not only I came from South Korea, but also I'm an aerospace engineer. <laughs> so you know, there's I mean there are some um personalities in aerospace engineer, you know, Von Braun, um or um Robert Kelly, you know, these people. It's not Robert. Well, Kelly Johnson, actually. Yeah, mm, sorry. Yes, yeah. yeah, Kelly Johnson, um, Skankworks, things like that. Yes. But, you know, it's not as big as all these, um, you know, uh, information technology um, personalities. Mm. Only people who study aerospace engineering knows about these people. There's a big history around uh, Lockheed Skankworks. Mm-hmm. But, uh, again, not yeah. the topic of today's discussion. Yeah, not the topic of today's discussion, but... Yeah, and so that's the um, that's the cultural side of in, um, the cultural side of um, innovation, I guess. Um, what about 
I think this is actually very important uh, because I also have some financial background. What about the financial um, side of it? Like, what is the environment where, what is the financial environment where um, these things could grow? Because, mm-hmm. you know, Europe is as big as America, but if you compare Europe and America, America probably might be more innovative. That's what people say. So, what's the financial side of it? Right, I think that's a great question. Um, If you were to ask me, the way I see it is, I think right now in today's world, you can't produce innovation with very few money. Mm -hmm. You need to raise big capital for breakthrough innovation to happen. Mm -hmm. I think um, if we're considering incremental innovation, obviously, that doesn't even apply to new companies because mm-hmm. they don't have their own product lineup mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. When they come up, they have to create something from scratch mm-hmm. that that is not necessarily innovative in the sense that it's going to be a breakthrough innovation automatically. It can be just like a carbon copy of somebody else's product, mm-hmm. like a clone. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have, with this incremental innovation, just a budget to like maintain mm-hmm. the... Um, the design, manufacturing, and kind mm-hmm. of like assistance of uh, the quality of those products. Mm-hmm. If you are aiming for breakthrough innovation, which is, I think, I think there shouldn't be incremental and breakthrough innovation. If you ask me, I think mm-hmm. only breakthrough innovation is real innovation. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of incremental innovation. As well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, we don't have breakthrough innovation. Yeah, we don't create uh, anti-gravity repulsion lift you know, in, um, in 10 years' time. But right. like, yeah. Fair enough. That's a fair assessment. Um, but with breakthrough innovation, if you want to... Mm-hmm. Because you have so many companies that... Uh, that are um, born and then they want to say that they want to change the world and they all have a very big social purpose and they have so many I guess policies and they bring on big names and they want to I don't know change a certain industry or a niche Mm -hmm. Um, but then there's two things that happen you either have a lot of money that is going in a certain technology and uh, it becomes kind of vaporware. It doesn't mm-hmm. really lead anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know, that is very, it's a very strange um, set of events that could happen because either it's a roadblock in the sense that there is a technical challenge that can be overcome at a certain period of time Mm -hmm. because maybe we don't have the capability to do it now Mm -hmm. maybe we need more time maybe we Mm -hmm. need innovation in other areas Mm -hmm. Uh, it's kind of like a boomerang effect where maybe you need other areas to grow in up to a certain point for it to come around your way Mm -hmm. in your area Um, but then you have uh, projects which end up being a what should I say? Either frauds or facades yeah. or... I mean, um, that's what we're hearing in 2022. You know, we had a bubble of these people in 2020 and um, it's bursting every day. You know, every day we hear about another cryptocurrency scandal or another, uh, you know, another yes. um, different scheme. You know, they, they say, um, there's one called Green Hill Capital in this country and mm. um, 
I, I, you know, I urge everyone to read about it because at first it sounds like a brilliant idea, mm -hmm. but financially it's never feasible. You know, as a risk analyst myself, I, I would never recommend anyone to, you know, do such kind of activities because if I, if I were able to, I would, you know, <laughs> but, you know, obviously some, some things doesn't make sense, um, in business perspective, I guess, um, I guess that's um, what you're trying to say. Well, to finish my point, I think we've had, and uh, to add to your point, actually, mm -hmm. because I think you had a very good intervention right there. Um, 2022 has been a, yeah, it has been kind of like a, a tidal wave of scams mm -hmm. in, in, in areas like, like cryptocurrency and blockchain and uh, Web3 especially. Mm -hmm. There's a uh, big pool of companies that promise the world and they don't deliver. And I think it's also very early for um, that technology yet before we can, I think, draw a very pertinent conclusion. Mm -hmm. I think we need to let it grow for a few more years, like maybe even five years mm -hmm. until we can see kind of like a very big adoption web3 technology but back to that point that we were on earlier um uh, i think the fact is i've watched a lot of uh, biopics like tv series this year mm -hmm. that kind of highlighted these personalities of mm -hmm. trying to fake it till until they make it until mm -hmm. they made it to the top yeah you had examples like uh, so you had this uh, we crashed show based on adam oh, yeah. newman mm -hmm. Then you had um, uh, the dropout, which was based on Elizabeth Holmes mm -hmm. from Theranos. Mm -hmm. You had um, uh, the one based on Travis Kalanick from Uber that mm -hmm. was yeah. fired. Now, uh, those were perfect examples of either fraudsters or cult of personality mm -hmm. or even, I guess, kind of reckless leadership mm -hmm. and maybe a bit of I would guess irresponsible leadership as well mm -hmm. um, and I think that is the result that, that is one of the factors which lead to this kind of I guess explosion of credibility mm -hmm. like it, it, yeah. it's actually an implosion I would say mm -hmm. and that's why you have big ideas you have great ideas and concepts that are being thrown out there in the ether mm -hmm. But then they never come about because you have people like this that are ruining those ideas. And mm -hmm. I think they can be good ideas if they're done responsibly and if people don't chase the success but actually have longer term goals for them. Mm -hmm. And they allow the innovation to flourish, mm -hmm. I would guess, in kind of like harnessing the creative talent of their teams mm -hmm. because you have to empower your team. And uh, yeah, aside from that, I think you have, uh, from those two cases, you have innovation that can happen. You have maybe like deep tech. Mm -hmm. We have, I think Bristol is one of those hubs in Europe where, where I think there are companies that kind of excel in that type of category. Mm -hmm. uh, but then um, there are a lot of companies here that yes, have brought something to the table, but there aren't those iconic brands yet mm -hmm. maybe somebody will be maybe like a graph core mm -hmm. maybe like a uh, ultra leap mm -hmm. uh, but i think they all have stiff competition and they're not really like a very like a first type of company or like the 
doing doing it right type of company mm-hmm. like where you don't have to be first but you actually are the one who propels that area forward mm-hmm. like facebook for example yeah so yeah that is um my point of view in you know the, the financial side point of view is that um i i like innovation you know i uh, you you wouldn't believe it, you know. People think I'm very, um, not um, <laughs> I I'm very out of date person, but I do love innovation. You know, I I do um, you know, I do keep my um, electronics always up to date, um, and um, I do read about innovation because um, I, I I like you know the stories. You know, I like how the true ingenuity of men and women could bring to um, bring the odd bring bring humanity to other you know in other dimensions and things like that mm. however the way i see it is as the interest rate goes down and down and down mm. um you get more liquidity because i mean if anyone would want to you know you can borrow me um any amount of money three percent every year then i'll i'll make a ton of money you know <laughs> yeah it's it's as simple as that you can do whatever you want if interest rate is close to zero mm. you know uh, but you know i i think my point being is that so as the interest rate goes down which we have seen last 30 years we also see great examples of innovation but at the same time we also see uh not great um innovations and the thing is because money is everywhere you know um I would personally call it even dog carries money, you know, <laughs> because money is everywhere. You know, people invest into places like Theranos or um, you know things like that, and mm-hmm. I guess scammers did take um, take advantage of these kind of situations. And now interest rate is rising, and you know the United States, the um, interest rate is going to be five percent, going to hit five percent um, next year. And that itself is a very scary thing for me, investor, but should be as well quite scary for innovators as well, because these kinds of innovations where it is high risk, but high return, where investors will draw out of money and uh, invest into something else. I mean, even like buying government bonds now gives 5% <laughs> interest rate. So yeah, um, I, was one, I was actually wondering about that. So how do you think the tomorrow's world mm. uh, would look like with this kind of environment um, and you know and how it is going to affect innovations you know does it not um, does, does it not jeopardizes your job I mean you know there they has been a lot of um, you know a lot of companies has been firing um, all these um, you know a lot of innovative countries have been firing a lot of workers like Twitter Facebook um, it's said that tesla has fired so many and it's going to be apple next you know Mm. and what do you think you know um isn't innovation very tied to this kind of financial outlook or you know do you think it is even feasible without you know all these constraints oh well that's a uh, quite a complex point so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna have to bring my systems thinking Mm -hmm. um perspective on this Mm -hmm. um where should I start? Well, um, just just I want to make sure I'm on point here. So, mm-hmm. I believe the lowest interest rates in 
probably the history of mankind were two years ago, right? Yeah, two years ago. It was zero, yes. But America, uh, yeah. ever since they've increased. <laughs> so I don't think it will get as worse as the previous financial crises. Mm -hmm. And I think that this recession might be like a mild recession mm -hmm. where we might find ourselves in this bubble like um, bursting kind of for like a year or a year mm -hmm. and a half. But then it, it might kind of die down mm -hmm. and we might, I don't know if we might go back to like the normal. I don't even know how to define normal anymore. Yeah, I mean, we, we are just around 20 or 21 years old and, you know, we never lived through normal. Right. Know, that's for sure, you know. <laughs> I mean, in whilst in university now, I had the pandemic, a war and a recession. And, you know, when we were in primary school, we had um, 2008 crash and, you know, Europe has suffered um, that for 10 years and um, now we had um, hit by pandemic. So, yeah. Right. Uh, but anyway, carrying on. Yeah, moving on. Um, yeah. I guess uh, with with low interest rates, you get a lot of people who are willing to take a risk. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think now more than ever, uh, we are in an era where I think people, because of the pandemic, because of the restrictions, because of so many crises that have been, uh, they realize that they are kind of tired of what's happening and mm -hmm. they are willing to do something. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that means something big scale. They don't have to go out there and start a big company mm -hmm. or chase big ideas or uh, big money. Mm -hmm. um, it can be like a small business. It can be a side hustle. It can be a stream of income. Uh, and I think that the more that they're trying to diversify and become more independent, mm -hmm. we will have a more flourishing economy mm -hmm. and we'll have more empowered individuals. Mm -hmm. And uh, we don't want, I think, centralized forms of power to kind of have their grip mm -hmm. on us, either financially or structurally, mm -hmm. like in terms of power, mm -hmm. uh, political power, I mean. And uh, I think with having low interest rates, you get a you get industries where you have a lot of, especially young people like us, mm -hmm. like twenties, thirties, maybe even people in their forties. Why not? Uh, where if they're, I guess, they're willing to take a shot, mm -hmm. and I think if they have a certain idea and a good team around them and they don't have to be surrounded by necessarily very big experts mm -hmm. uh, if you have like a small team of people that you can trust and you can grow together and you mm -hmm. can learn together and you can just have a, a certain investment then you'll start out just fine mm -hmm. and i think that will encourage a very big competitive market mm -hmm. You'll have a lot of risk and you'll have a lot of losses at the same mm -hmm. time because not not everybody can succeed, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you'll have a market where you'll have companies at uh, at a certain level, right? Every single time, and they will do fine for a while. Some some will crash, some will increase again. Mm -hmm. uh, it's always like a roller coaster ride. Mm -hmm. um, but I think at the same time, um, the point here is that you need to encourage that risk to happen mm -hmm. because if people don't take the risk then you will never see somebody come out of that big ocean mm -hmm. you need like a like a fish to start uh, making those jumps yeah. in, in the horizon you know and come come to the shore potentially mm -hmm. i don't know 
but I don't know if that was the best metaphor right there, but uh, or analogy. Um, yeah, but I, I think it gives I, I think it gives quite a lot of insights in my opinion because well, I am an aerospace engineer, and it's it, it is very very narrow chance that I'm going there and start a new business and make a billion dollar business that um, you know unless you are you have ten billion dollars like Elon Musk, you know you'll never be a great innovator you know your destiny is to grow your career and to work for somebody else and you know maybe die out and you know maybe you'll be um you know it's aerospace engineering so it's funded by government um many times but now it's turning slightly more private but a lot of part is actually funded by government um it is private companies but you know government orders things like they need to buy uh, fighter jets weapons and things like that Anyway, moving on, you know, this is very capital intensive industry. Right. So innovation do happen, but I guess in different modes um, where we have this teams of people, group of people mm. working together and making innovations um, slowly, slowly. And, you know, you, you get almost infinite amount of capital because it's not infinite, but, you know, fairly large amount of capital mm. to work with. Whilst these innovators well like yourself or many others and um, they are very 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 um relied on the other forms of capital the private and you know it is not capital intensive industry it or you know any other more innovative um industry so yeah that's that's what i you know that's the point that i felt quite strongly is that you know these people if you're studying computer science or you know if you're doing anything that could be that could bring innovation out of scratch mm. um without having risk mm. um you probably wouldn't be um successful in you know these fields i guess that's i guess that's what you're saying i mean although there's other ways of being successful um ch chasing careers but if you want to i don't know rule the world or something i guess that's that's the way you do it i guess uh in my opinion i think so i uh, as you brought up like mm -hmm. elon or you had the examples in the past like steve and mm -hmm. others in silicon valley from mark to bill to um yeah i don't know to jeff bezos and all the figures that have been predominant on media and have been the topic of discussion for i mean they've left their mark in history somehow mm -hmm. they've changed something mm -hmm. um and I think uh, those empires and uh, those um, dominant figures, uh, they kind of also become like, um, because we have some sort of these icons, people like us, like some of us young innovators, as you say, mm -hmm. we have somebody to look up to. Mm -hmm. And I think... Uh, because you can aim for any level like right like you don't have to as I've said before you don't have to go big mm -hmm. and but I think for me like breakthrough innovation it means something big mm -hmm. because that's what breakthrough means it means that it's it's uh, it's novel it's unforeseen 
and because it's very applicable and feasible it's mm -hmm. going to be used by a lot of people mm -hmm. i think it will have practical practicality and um, usability to a large number of people and then you'll have the potential for scaling very largely mm -hmm. um, but to touch on this point i think yes technology and i think science they are very synonymous with innovation because they drive society's advancement mm -hmm. and uh yeah you have maybe you mentioned in the beginning like you have these companies that have fired people right like mm -hmm. you have the big big tech that has fired like eleven thousand people from one side and then the other and then so on and so forth mm -hmm. and you've it's probably like a domino effect because now more and more companies are looking like do we need as many people mm -hmm. and perhaps um some companies have grown much more than they should have mm -hmm. and they're also probably looking for maintaining their profits as well in a crisis like this mm -hmm. uh, but i think sometimes maybe because the technology advances maybe you don't need as many people to work mm -hmm. for you yeah. uh, maybe some jobs will be uh, replaced by automotive mm -hmm. uh, tools mm -hmm. uh, and because they you'll have some of those jobs um, replaced by automation then you'll have a result of other jobs mm -hmm. and the emergence of new jobs i think will also potentially give birth to a bigger phenomenon than the one before it hmm. so you think uh, this kind of um, innovations we say last 30 years is going to survive next 30 and next 100 years i guess i think innovations will always grow bigger uh, every single time Hmm. because um, the population of the planet is has always been never increasing mm -hmm. it hasn't been slowing down uh, scientists believe uh, that at some point it will plateau mm -hmm. at like uh, I think like a decade ago they were saying like 9 billion or 10 billion might mm -hmm. be like a certain number yeah. mm -hmm. but then I think if we do manage because you're an aerospace engineer mm -hmm. and <laughs> If we do manage to expand and have uh, colonies on Moon or Mars or mm -hmm. maybe even other moons in our solar system or planets, um, and who knows how many thousand years in the future, perhaps outside of our solar system mm -hmm. um, or galaxy in the galaxy, um, but yeah, uh, I don't want to focus on long term long termism now. Mm -hmm. But I think that the more we expand. Um, and as philosophers and these entrepreneurs have said like especially like human consciousness mm -hmm. like be um to further populate the stars and perhaps even our planet has so many areas that haven't been used like mm -hmm. we don't have floating cities in the mm -hmm. air or on the oceans mm -hmm. or even underwater mm -hmm. uh, and there are always many other natural habitats that can be not deforested but kind of like we could build like very sustainable cities mm -hmm. around them build like a very green um i guess urban areas yeah so i guess the idea behind is you know even if it seems like we have reached a certain point there's always a room for improvement that i guess that's what you're saying uh yes because human creativity is unlimited hmm. so creativity is 
because I, I don't think I've, I finalized that in the beginning when I started because mm-hmm. uh, I was talking about breakthrough and in uh, incremental innovation. Creativity is um, an intellectual property that is found in both of them. Mm-hmm. So innovation is a result of creativity mm-hmm. and imagination. And I think the human potential is probably unlimited. Yes, mm-hmm. I think we, we haven't discovered the limits of our bodies. Mm-hmm. We haven't discovered the limits of our minds. And it's probably, I think our minds are, um, who knows what we can achieve with them. Like we've, we've always, we, so for example, like the four mile run, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, people believe that record could never be surpassed. Mm-hmm. And the first person that did it then gave the belief further on to other people to start breaking it mm-hmm. uh, ever more quickly in a very short period mm-hmm. of time, right? And yeah. it, it, that was obvious. Mm-hmm. And I think even in sports, that's the case as well, because I'm a big fan of tennis and uh, <laughs> I really like watching men's tennis. And I think uh, I've been a fan for like the last few years and uh, I've seen some very titanic confrontations and gladiator battles on the mm-hmm. court. And I think it's a, it's a masterful and very crafty sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you see somebody like Roger Federer or Novak Djokovic mm-hmm. uh, kind of like battle it out and uh, you see like somebody, they set the bar high, mm-hmm. like you had Pete Sampras like up to 2009 who held like the record for Grand Slams and then you had Federer breaking it. And now you have Djokovic and Nadal. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is always the bar can always be set higher Mm -hmm. and uh it's always going to be a factor of how early you start as well Mm -hmm. and what resources you can use because Mm -hmm. i think um for example the earlier you start the more possibilities you have Mm -hmm. and the more time you have to gain the experience and the skills necessary Mm -hmm. and i also think we live in an era where people need to be very multidisciplinary and transdisciplinary Mm -hmm. that is what innovation is that is what we've been taught and Mm -hmm. i think if we do harness as many skills and areas as possible Mm -hmm. we can probably combine and uh, find that synergy where if you are an expert in one field or if you are limiting yourself in a certain way that wouldn't have been possible before Hmm. on that date actually i i might actually want to point so I'm a huge believer of um, every every ethnicity has different um, you know different ability you know well you can call me racist or whatever but I do believe that you know if you see like some countries like China or Russia or Ukraine you know, or Albania actually is mm-hmm. a good example people there are exceptionally doing well in many fields but at the same time these countries aren't the countries that you'd say innovations has come from mm. so on that niche um people starting earlier trans this um you know into this this um disciplinary um studies and mm. things like that on that note i guess this is where um america or united kingdom has huge strength in. i mean you're from romania yourself so uh, I, I guess I guess is is that the reason why you chose UK over Romania? Although Romania has such a uh, such a population where I mean all the Romanian people I've met 
is insanely smart and you know they 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 do they know what they're doing however they're not in romania so i guess is that the reason why you moved to uk to receive better education and um better accessibility on this innovation um this innovation um scene I right guess. uh well i think you have a lot of these countries from eastern europe and mine especially and um We've been affected by past, mm-hmm. past crises and past, um, I guess, eras, and especially the last century. I don't want to touch on like mm-hmm. uh, people who know the the history. They know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, because I want to stay on point. Um, I think it's more about because there isn't as much economic firepower, mm-hmm. and also. Yeah, I can speak from experience that uh, in my country we have a lot of smart people mm-hmm. and we have uh, expert, good expertise in many fields. Mm-hmm. We're good at both humanities and uh, more scientific, like the STEM, mm-hmm. uh, science and technology. And uh, we have a very, very big hub now for technology. We're like considered to be the Silicon Valley of Eastern Europe. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I do own... Um, some of Romanian companies indirectly through um, traded funds. Mm. Um, and the reason why was I saw so many innovations coming out of Romania, but, you know, not as much as, you know, in UK or whatsoever, but still, you know, I, I fit Romanian people, as I see, was very innovative and very um, smart and great people. Um, yeah, so... I think that is the case because mm-hmm. we have a very intensive educational system mm-hmm. in the sense that it's not as flexible or as creative or as, uh, I don't know, um, free thinking as here in the mm-hmm. sense that uh, you, we, we don't really, I guess, I don't know, we don't really empower the individual. We kind of like contain it in a certain box. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that box can sometimes be filled with very useful tools. Mm-hmm. And I think that some of our professors do a really good job of, uh, from what I noticed, of kind of like trying to instill some ideas of, um, like hard, hard work is encouraged in our country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think at the same time, um, people who do practice their skills a lot, like we have a very good, we always have very good uh examples of people who are very big specialists Mm -hmm. i don't think we are in an environment back home where we have this very transdisciplinary multidisciplinary Mm -hmm. uh, people Mm -hmm. or um, kind of like hubs Mm -hmm. but we have uh, institutions that encourage very big specializations Mm -hmm. i think we have very good people at maths we have very people that are good at computer science Mm -hmm. we have uh, we have had in the past like and we still have some uh, very big names in philosophy mm-hmm. uh, or literature. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that's still a very good thing because we need those icons in every single field. Mm-hmm. But I think the future will empower the jack of all trades and mm-hmm. not the master of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that's my view uh, in the future economy and then in the global environment. And I think for me, that was one of the reasons as to why I came to Bristol specifically, because mm-hmm. I think Bristol is a very multicultural place and very mm-hmm. multicultural environment where, especially the university with this center for innovation, mm-hmm. they encourage these possibilities, they give out these possibilities. And 
uh, I think also the University West of England UE mm -hmm. uh, also has a very good innovation laboratory and mm -hmm. ecosystem space yeah. mm -hmm. and the um, and the way that things come together here, I think, uh, allow for that creativity to flourish. And uh, obviously, as I've said before, like there's a big, uh, there's a big financial like uh, pool here compared mm -hmm. to home, and uh, that's what I think gives birth to so many great companies. <laughs> yeah, well, that that's very interesting to hear. Well. I'm from South Korea. What what can I tell more? You know, we we have huge financial pool, but we are always short of workforce. You wouldn't believe this. So South Korea is suffering from massive, massive workforce, um, massive, massive wo workforce shortage. I mean, we now there's even shortage of welders. Can you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> but actually, um, welders you need a lot of skills to do that. Right. But still. Um, but at the same time, you know, okay. And there's not a very good return on investment on that, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, actually, welders, they, they are paid a lot, like quite a lot. Okay. Know. As a junior um, aerospace engineer, I'll probably might be paid like 30,000 right. um, per year. But uh, if you're a welder, you probably get paid at least from 40,000. Mm. But you just work in very hard working um, right. environment. But, but at the same time, you have yeah. the potential to very quickly surpass that. Yeah, that's um, that. Yeah, that's the thing. But anyway, getting back to the point. Um, but that's very impressive point where on Romania, where uh, what only what it is only lacking of is not um, institutions like Britain, but is actually the financial means of achieving these things. And um, I guess um, I guess that is actually being more worsened every day by Romanians leaving their country and moving to somewhere else. And you know, maybe they send money to Romania, but that's not you know sufficient enough to actually have you know bigger economy where right. you know things could be financed by itself. I guess um, I guess that's your point. Yes, that is my mm. point. Yeah. Yeah, and um, on that point, um, it makes me feel like that. The movement of capital, um, free movement of capital between countries, um, I guess should um, make Romania and uh, countries like Romania, where you you get so many talented people, whilst the only thing that you're lacking of is capital, um, countries like Romania more prosperous and things like that, is um, is that um, how how I see? I think there is a big chance to if we were to distribute wealth, because mm -hmm. I think that's one of the big topics of conversation in mm -hmm. politics and media in general at least in the last few years and uh, especially as a case of as, as a as a use case of philanthropy mm -hmm. um, I think we need to encourage smaller countries and mm -hmm. we need to distribute the wealth to kind of bring them up mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. point is for the world to come together and have that equal level of playing field mm -hmm. because otherwise you wouldn't get uh, so much migration mm -hmm. and you would have a lot of people probably trying to help their local communities more mm -hmm. and i think we need to also encourage this concept of uh, coming together as a community and more mm -hmm. of like decentralization of power mm -hmm. and instead of having big um centralized uh governments and big coalitions and big superstructures and stuff mm -hmm. like that we need to have very smaller forms of government mm -hmm. and we need to encourage like um neighborhoods and uh people to help out each other and be that's how you 
encourage humanity, I think, to kind of like look out for their fellows. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we do have that, uh, I think, environment, mm -hmm. uh, we might be able to see smaller countries like uh, one up the current, I guess, paradigm of dominance. Yeah, I mean, from my point of view, um, very small countries like Estonia, for example, right. yeah. which has only 3 million people yes. inside, but leading the world's innovation in some fields. That's um, a, v a very technologically avid country. Mm -hmm. Yes, and um, what I see from Estonia is that they encourage people to invest in Estonia and you know, they encourage Estonians to stay in Estonia, mm. have a faith in their own country mm -hmm. and um, do innovations there. Right. Um, and yeah, I guess I guess I guess that's um, how it is going to look like in the future for small countries hmm. like um, Romania or Estonia and South Korea is going to be a small country <laughs> quite um, <laughs> quite uh, you know we've got fifty two billion people now but probably thirty years later we probably hmm. uh, will have like thirty million people yeah um, and maybe fifty years later it's going to be like twenty million people which is just yeah. about the same size as Romania at that point well. Uh, yeah. Well, currently, the mm -hmm. population of Romania is between 15 and 20 million. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, it's very unfortunate because we have a population that is ever more decreasing, not increasing, mm -hmm. only because there is the migration of the youth. Mm -hmm. We have the young people like myself who are leaving the country. They are not staying there and uh, helping repopulate. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think you also have a big problem because uh, because uh, the, the people who are leaving... Mm -hmm they aren't intending to come back mm -hmm. or maybe some do come back but they come because they couldn't adapt themselves to the um, larger world and the other environments where mm -hmm. they were trying to kind of like uh, hang on to something mm -hmm. and kind of like send that help to home mm -hmm. uh, so they were forced to go back but I think um, with that in mind we need to make sure that the smaller countries don't implode mm -hmm. and if you first ensure that they have a very good economy mm -hmm. and that there is an environment where it's worth living in and staying in mm -hmm. and help helping to contribute mm -hmm. because I think that there is a certain line and I think I want to like finalize this because we mm -hmm. don't want to like go over the yeah. time mm -hmm. um, I think there is a certain level where people start seeing that glimmer of hope mm -hmm. and it's kind of like they decide okay I think that there is something out there and I think it's worth myself trying to sacrifice some of that potential or personal glory or achievement to kind of like give to something mm -hmm. from the beginning. Mm -hmm. But I think at, at, the, at the current state, there are many countries like mine who people still don't have the glimmer of hope for mm -hmm. and we need to be able to give it back that level mm -hmm. and for people to help contain it mm -hmm. and grow it afterwards yeah. well um yeah that that's a good point and i guess you know i mean i guess that's something that south korea should note on um, in the future because now we're pretending as if we're a big country <laughs> but um you know, unfortunately that's not going to be the case and you, know, you get people like myself who left mm. south korea and um you know and i i think it shows something which is that I self-identify as a um, talented person, so, <laughs> uh, so you know, uh, I guess South Korea needs to 
places like South Korea, Romania, or you know, small countries mm. have to make sure that a capital flows in their country, you know, freely and mm. exits mm. freely, mm. and b uh, make sure that people love their country, um, and you know, and 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 make people to do something, you know, whatever it is, you know, mm. whatever you start business or make money or work, um, do something for their country by staying in and. I guess that's the um. I guess that's the, um. I say that's the homework for um all these um smaller countries. I right. guess. Yeah. Well. Anyway. Um. Thank you for coming today. Yeah. It it was really um interesting talk. And thank you so much for having me. And uh, I have to say honestly, this is my first podcast, and I think uh yeah, it's went better than expected. And I mean, who knows? Maybe Tiberio one day will be a, a billionaire, um, billionaire innovator, and um, you know people make fun of you <laughs> listening to this podcast. <laughs> But I don't think people will make fun of you. It was actually quite a good one. Um, yeah, and um, just on a note on the um, Liberty Bristol for Liberty podcast. Well, um, I hope this podcast is not fully political, um, because if if we start. Politics, you know, people wouldn't like me anyway. You know, I have very niche um, political ideology, but I wish this um, podcast is a place to discuss um, why liberty matters and why liberty, um, democracy as well, um, could um, bring not only prosperity but also, um, but also, you know, individual liberty. You know, all these good things. So yes, that is why I decided to talk about um, innovation today specifically because these things actually do matter to um, to liberty. You know, without bread, liberty and democracy can't survive, and bread comes from innovation. <laughs> right. So yes, um, that was the reason why I brought you in. And anyway, thank you for listening so much. Um, and I hope this was um, quite useful for you. Anyway, um, bye for now. Bye.